0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the AVE Geeks podcast. I'm Flight Corporal Jack Anderson. I'm here with Flight Corporal Nadeem Elgazar.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And Flight Corporal Aidan Paul. How's it going? And just before we start this week's episode, we want to talk about how this week is actually a very special episode. It is our 10th episode, and we are all very excited. It has been a very long journey of lots of hard work, and lots of very interesting topics.
1: Yeah, we still got many more to come, so stay tuned.
0: We most certainly do. And for this week's episode, we're going to be talking about something that isn't really talked about as much when you talk about aviation. We're going to be talking about airport operations and their challenges. So before we start off, we just want to talk a little bit about uh, how within an airport, there are generally four different divisions. So we have the land side operations, the airside operations, the billing and invoicing, and the information management. So we're just going to be going over um, each one very briefly. We're going to be talking a little bit about the challenges that they face, what they actually do, and stuff like that. So let's get into it. So. Airside operations. This one is a little self-explanatory. It's anything that oversees the airfield itself, the ramps, the safety, security of the airport. So they're responsible for coordinating responses to airside incidents, accidents, and emergencies. Um, They're also responsible for allocation of aircraft parking and aircraft escorts. So that pretty much means they organize everything to do with the aircraft. So all the parking spots, all of the refueling, if they ever need to um, have an escort for whatever reason, like uh, if they're a VIP, they handle that. Um, Next, they have conducting runway and taxiway inspections. This is a vital part of flying you need to make sure that every single part of the airfield is safe before you use it. So the taxiways and the runways, you need to make sure that there's no debris left behind, there's no cracks in them, that there's no snow or rain or anything like that obstructing the actual runway and taxiway.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, That's a very critical job. And there's also a few others for uh, airside operations. They also have to police airside driving, which basically means they're making sure that everyone who's on the runway, for example, like the baggage cars and everything, all of those uh, vehicles are driving safely. They're not cutting off airplanes or driving underneath them. That's just unsafe. Uh, they're also in charge of vehicle escorts for companies and contractors requiring airside access. So, basically, large companies who want to access their plane or uh, like people that work on the aircraft they they make sure that they stay safe while traveling on an active airspace they are also in charge of day-to-day management of wildlife to reduce the risk of bird interference on aircraft that's an interesting job I would that like and I've actually did some research about this they actually play like noises of like hawks in the background and stuff just to scare off birds and it's pretty interesting
0: yeah um there are quite a few um, different ways that they do handle the birds. I know, for example, at a lot of smaller airports, they have something called a bird cannon. Um, my brother actually told me about this. He's, a, he's training to be a pilot up in Sault Ste. Marie. Up there, they have a, a bird cannon that fires off every couple of minutes, and it scares away all the birds in the vicinity. He said the first time he heard that, he was um, on the taxiway, and he was pushing his plane for a run-up. And he thought something, um, went wrong with the engine. He said it really freaks him out when he heard it. That does not freak anyone out.
1: Yeah, it would. And especially up in Sault Ste. Marie for those, of, of uh, our, our international friends, cause we got people all over the world, that's Northern Ontario. And if you haven't been Northern Ontario, there's a lot of wildlife out there. Like you you're driving and you'll see deer on the side of the road and stuff. So you got to make sure you're safe from all those birds. And there are also yeah. challenges for this, uh, for well, air operations, yeah.
0: Well, and the, the funny thing was that his instructor never warned him about that. That was his first time flying, and the instructor didn't tell him that it was there.
1: No, if someone didn't warn me about that, I would I, I would freak out. I don't know what I would do with the, the plane if I heard, like, bang. I'll probably shut the plane down right now and run out. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, I mean, it's a it's a giant explosion, or it sounds like a giant explosion. So, I mean... I'm fairly certain that freaking out is a very common response to that.
1: For sure, um, yeah.
0: All right, well, let's move on to the land side operations. Now, this one is a little more complex. They, they handle everything that, well, doesn't have to do with the aircraft directly, but it more has to do with the... Um, the passengers, the cargo, that sort of thing. It it deals with all the amenities at the airport, pretty much. So stuff like the terminal and um, all of the duty-free shops, the security, that's all about, well, that's all the responsibility of landside operations. They also (laughs) handle a lot of the roadways leading up to the airport. So a lot of the parking structures, a lot of the, uh, roads connecting it to the highway. Those are all run by the landside operation movement or the landside operation group.
1: For sure. And they also need to oversee like down in Toronto, which is our closest airport. Oh, well, yeah, Toronto Pearson, they there's a lot of companies uh, around there that actually have like park and fly, where you park your car, you take a bus over to the airport. And The airport needs to make sure like they have accommodation for those buses that keep like coming in and coming in with just hundreds of people every day that just park their cars and go for a week so they don't need uh, anyone to drop them off for the day. Yeah, so they,
0: they definitely do have an important job, even if they're not directly supporting aircraft without them, there's a very good chance that the airport wouldn't function properly. Now, that sure. also has a lot more than just the um, the parking and the roads. As I said a little bit earlier, they handle the security. So, they um, in America, they'd have the TSA. Uh, up In Canada, I'm not 100% sure what it's called.
1: Uh, the CBSA, um, Canada Border Security Agency.
0: Yeah, that. So, they... I don't know if they handle the airport security, but they do handle customs. So if you ever go through customs, that's run by the landside operation. Oh, and here in the chat, we just saw the CATSA. Okay. Yeah. So it's very similar to the Americans. It's just a Canadian version of the TSA.
1: For sure. And with that, that comes with challenges. Like customs has to deal with thousands of passengers coming in each day and obviously when you have that many people coming in, they're gonna try and smuggle firearms or uh, drugs and all of that. And you gotta make sure like you have the proper training to deal with this many people and terminals have to make sure that they can account for all this and all. And yeah, it's just a challenge. Yep.
0: Um, And for anyone who's wondering what the CATSA stands for, it stands for the Canadian Air Transport Security Authority um i know that's a mouthful but that's what it is so, so it's it's really just easier to call it the CATSA. very easy to remember just the american version or sorry the canadian version of the tsa now let's see what else we have in here um properties surrounding the airport yes so any hotels that are run by the airport those are handled by the landside operations so some of them are given to private contractors and private companies. Like you see this in Pearson, they have the Sheridan Hotel. So that would not be run by them. That'd be run by the private company. But if it's an actual airport hotel like it's run by the airport, that would be handled by the landside operations. Um, they're also they're responsible for um, the duty free shop. So. A lot of people think that those are owned by private companies. Some of them are, but quite a lot of them are owned by the airport. That is very vital in bringing in new revenue for the airport.
1: For sure. Lots of people, because people buy duty-free once they go through customs, and they're they're allowed to buy because there's, at least in Canada, there are a lot of rules when going through customs. You can't have a certain amount of, like, I don't think you can have any any liquids at all and stuff like that. So the duty-free brings in a lot of money.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure that that's very common in a lot of countries, that you're not allowed liquid through security. So um, there's a good reason for that, though. There's a very good reason for that. But that is why duty-free shops are allowed to charge as much as they want for water, because pretty much you get it there or you get it on the plane. So the plane, they can also charge a lot of money for food and drinks, too. So um, that's definitely it definitely gives an advantage to those companies when they make you give up your liquids when you go through security
1: for sure it's a system it's people they want your money and they're going to get it somewhere one way or another so
0: yeah um, an interesting thing to note about that though is that the most profitable duty free centers are the ones in hub airports because statistics have shown that customers will be more likely to buy from duty free if they have to catch a connecting flight because they land and then they're supposed to sit the airport for a few hours. They have nothing else to do. They might as well go shopping. Right.
1: For sure. Uh, Especially places like Cuba. I remember this specifically. You can't bring cigars through the customs, but once you're passed, you can buy them. And then that duty free store was just jam packed. I didn't buy like my, our family didn't buy any, but I, I just remember like the just the crowd at that store.
0: Um, one, one weird airport security that I've seen was in the Czech Republic where they have, they don't have like one big security, um, area like we do here in Canada. They had one security booth at every single gate, which was really weird. And it was also weird because you go through duty-free before you go through security. So what they would do is that if you bought a liquid, they would seal it in an airtight bag. And then when you went through security, they would check it to make sure it wasn't opened. And then you go through it but it was so weird having to go through one like little barrier one of those metal detectors at every single gate it was it was weird but it was effective there weren't very long lines so
1: well, maybe like we a waste should... of money.
0: It, it does sound like a waste of money but it was effective so right well i think that's enough on the landsat operations we've spent quite a long time talking about them um let's talk a little bit about billing and invoicing. I think this one is pretty self-explanatory as well. Um, So airlines, they need to pay to land at an airport. They have the landing fees, the handling fees, all of the different fees that are involved in running an airline. And that is what this area is for. So it it also is what affects the uh, the ticket prices. If you've ever wondered what makes flying so expensive, a big chunk of it comes from the billing that airports require because some of the biggest airports in the world, such as Pearson, Heathrow, and JFK, they have tens of thousands of dollars per flight in billing and landing fees. Um, and that's not even including the fuel that, they buy from the airport in order to fly so it is a very costly industry and that is a very big reason that flying is so expensive these days
1: for sure and being in being in this uh, operation is quite difficult because first of all you can't just walk in and say I want a job here no it, it's you have to have a background in business accounting and all of that and you're handling all the sales, not just like aeronautical sales, but non-aeronautical revenue as well. And you're handling money sales within the airport and you're also handling staff payrolls and all of that. So it is a very tough challenge and it's just, yeah, it's quite costly to run an airport, especially like one, one uh, tank of fuel for a plane is just an insane number uh, of how much it costs. So,
0: well, yeah. And, um, a lot of people think that it's very easy to deal with money, but there's a very massive amount of math that goes into this. There's a lot of statistics on where to put shops based on where people will walk. There's There's been tons of studies on that. In fact, in the, uh, the new Berlin airport, they've spent, I think, the past 10 or so years just doing studies on how long it'll take someone to walk from the other side of the
1: airport. I don't know what airport it was in. It might have been Toronto. I don't remember. but Once you leave security, you actually have to walk through a duty-free store. It's not, I I don't know if it was Toronto or not, but it was just, you couldn't go around. Like as soon as you're out of security, you had to walk through no matter what, if you you didn't want to buy anything. You wanted to buy anything. That's a very good strategy. Even if you don't want to buy anything, you might see something be like, oh, I could have bought that for someone like a friend and who knows, but it's, it's just a very good strategy.
0: Yeah, and that, that's very common. You see this in a lot of airports all around the world. It is very common because that's what works. As you said, you might not think, hey, I need this. But as you're walking through, you could uh, something could catch your eye and you're like, oh, that's perfect for this person. I'm, I'm going to buy this as a Christmas gift or as a birthday gift for them. So that's the kind of math that you have to do. And it is very hard math to do because you have to survey almost every single person that goes through there. And you have to come up with a big chart. You have to do tons and tons of math. I know I've said that a lot, but I really want to hammer home how hard it is to be an accountant or to be in finances. And that's on normal finances. This is on a much larger scale. Like you take normal finances and multiply it by a thousand. And that's what running airport finances is like.
1: For sure. You have all these different sectors of the airport. It's not just planes going up and down and passengers No, there's a bunch of other things and also regarding the duty-free uh they don't they have their prices high because they know people are on vacation they not they are not super concerned like they have a budget of course but they're not super concerned with paying a little extra for something that they like because they're on vacation
0: yeah exactly and Now we're just going to move on from billing and invoicing to information management. This is another vital part of any airport because people need to know where their flight is, what time it's leaving, all of that. And that is what these guys handle. So if you've ever been to an airport, I'm willing to bet you have looked at the departure screens to see when your flight leaves. That is all handled by these guys. And it's very important. Without that, Millions of people a year would probably miss their flights. It, it also helps you check the weather. It helps you check um, if there's delays or not. So it may not seem like a lot, but it definitely is an important
1: job. A very important one also. What gate you're going to. That is, you could get on the wrong plane and not even know it without these guys here. And just their job is a very, you have to be extremely organized to do this job. It's not you have to know when, you're pl- when the plane is coming down at what time exactly.
0: Yeah, for sure. And they also don't just do the big departure boards that you see on the TVs. They do a lot more than that. They do, um, well, first of all, they schedule in the flights. So we we're just talking about um, the landing fees. Different landing fees depend on what time of the day you are landing at. So the busier time means the busier price. So these guys help schedule in these flights because every airport only has a very limited amount of slots that it can have for um for planes to land in. I think um I thought I read somewhere Heathrow only has about 80 or so um per uh I'm not sure if that was per day probably not might have been per hour but it is very important to organize those and I actually read somewhere that uh, that's why a lot of British airlines, they fly flights completely empty to random destinations. It's just so that they can maintain their slot. They don't even need to make a profit. They just want to hold those slots because they can sell for millions, sometimes even billions of dollars. That is how valuable these slots are.
1: That's insane. And a couple of challenges of this you're obviously going to have passengers that are like, my plane is delayed, blah, blah, blah. But they're actually developing like with technology more and more ways to keep passengers informed. Like even now they have like pilot projects and stuff where I don't even know if it's probably became an official thing somewhere in the world, not as well. I haven't traveled in a while cause pandemic, but it would actually notify you if your plane is delayed an hour, if your plane is early and what gate, and it gives you all the information for you to be organized and to get to the airport at the right time.
0: Yeah, so would it send that out through like your phone or something like that? Or give, give you text yeah, updates?
1: I think it's either a text update or an app that you can download. It's, it's pretty cool.
0: Well, that would definitely be very helpful. That would definitely be very handy.
1: For sure, yeah.
0: Now, with that said, let's move on to the next area we're going to be talking about. So those are all the different sort of divisions of the airport. Those are the different parts of the airport, what they do. Now, let's talk a little bit about some examples of airport operations jobs. So these are all the different types of jobs you can get. These are all the different opportunities. And we're going to be talking a little bit about what sort of qualifications you need to get those. Um, So airport information specialist. That probably has to do with what Flight Corporal Elgazar was just talking about, where you would send out information to a person's phone. That's probably what these guys are developing. They're probably also running, uh, as we were just talking about, the... um, big departure boards they predict when flights are going to be landed when they're going to be delayed uh, so that is a very important job um for the qualifications i'm assuming you have to go to college for that it seems like a very hard job to do it seems like you'd have to be very well organized in order to do a job like that
1: yeah for sure and you'll probably you'll probably need like background information about aviation and stuff but yeah,
0: definitely yeah, i'm I have to admit, I'm reading the list right now. I think all of these you'd have to go to college and have an aviation background in order to get into these. These are some very technical and very important jobs. Yeah. So, next, airport operations agent. So, these guys handle, well, a lot of the operations that go on at the airport. So, like we were talking about, um, the airside and the landside operations such as the stores, the, um, the refueling, the baggage handling. They are the ones who organize all of that. They're in charge of all of that. Uh, so their job is also very important. Without them, the airport also wouldn't run. And you know what? I know I've been saying that for all of these jobs, but it's, it's because it's true. At an airport... Pretty much the whole thing can't run if everyone doesn't do their job to the best of their abilities.
1: For sure. An airport is definitely a team job. One can't run an airport. It just doesn't make sense. And everyone has to do their job properly and at the right time for everything to run smoothly and for you to get on your flight on time.
0: Exactly. So I think a lot of people don't appreciate how much effort and work goes into these uh, airport operations and into their travel. Uh, so let's move on to airport operations senior agent okay so that's pretty much the exact same as an airport operations agent just it's above him it's the supervisor that supervises the supervisor pretty much
1: for sure and they're responsible for airfield inspections and responding during airport emergencies so they have a critical job they have to like stand by to make sure nothing happens or like nothing bad happens
0: yeah, I, I totally forgot to mention, they also um, they are in charge of organizing all of the firefighting, policing, and medical units that are on scene um, or at the airport. For example, at Pearson Airport, I remember a few years ago, we got to go on a field trip to their uh, fire station there, and it is very interesting. It is very different from a normal fire station. It is very specialized for dealing with aircraft fires.
1: For sure, because they probably have when an aircraft engine like there's different kinds of fires. And if you've noticed on a fire extinguisher, they each one fights different kinds of fires and aircraft engine fires are probably much differently than grease fires on your stove or something. And they have to have very special equipment to deal with that.
0: Exactly. So a lot of their stuff is very different from what you'd see in a city setting, for example. All right. So let's move on to the next one here. Airport Security Compliance Specialist. Um, Again, another very long name, long and complicated, but this one pretty much overlooks all of the security stuff that goes on at the airport. So that ranges anywhere from the border security to the airport security, like when you go through security, even down to having a fence around the airport. That is also something that's very overlooked. Without a fence around the airport, anyone could walk in, anyone could start messing with the airplanes. So it is very important to make sure that that fence is in good order and there's no holes or anything like that.
1: Yeah. And and especially you have to take the word specialist into account. They're, they're basically in charge of strictly enforcing the federal regulations. There's, there's no messing around in this job.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right. And let's move on to the last job here, air traffic controller. So, air traffic controller again it's probably one we've all heard of Um, they tell planes when to take off where to land Uh, they pretty much control everywhere that the planes go Uh, so it is also a very hard job it requires a lot of dedication a lot of focus Uh, if you lose focus it it can cause massive delays or even in some cases crashes so sure
1: yeah and you got to make sure like one plane is going the right way, because if the plane's going the wrong way, that could lead to a very deadly crash. And uh, working control co- tower, uh, especially like approach control facilities or route centers, they're, draw- they're basically coordinating the movement of aircrafts to maintain the safe distance between them, because if they get too close, that's a danger issue right there.
0: Exactly. So it's a very challenging job. And it does require you to be very smart. You have to go to a lot of different programs. You have to go through college um, because there's quite a bit of math involved. You have to um, be able to calculate how far apart aircraft are. You have to be able to calculate wind speeds, wind directions, weather conditions, all of that stuff. It's all handled by the air traffic controllers. Um, So that about does it for our time tonight. We want to thank you once again for listening to the AVE Geeks podcast. And just before we go, we want to talk a little bit about the sponsors for these episodes.
1: This podcast is made possible by the 102 Squadron Air Cadets. Right now, we are unable to do our normal fundraising due to the pandemic. So instead, we made a squadron cookbook. All three of us are members of the cookbook committee and have seen the months of hard work that have gone into it. It includes recipes for most every cadet, officer, and member staff. Books will be available for pre-order soon, so keep your eyes peeled.
0: Yeah, and as we said last week, it's not just a book. It tells the whole story of our squadron. It's a great way to support one of the greatest organizations, not only in Canada, but I think in the world. It's a great organization. It helps youths become pilots, better citizens, pretty much anything they want to be. It helps them become successful in life. So if you can buy a book, we highly encourage you to. We have been seeing so much hard work going into this. In fact, today we just had another meeting and we're getting very close to being finished with this book.
1: For sure. Pre-sales will actually be available on 102squadron.com very soon. (laughs) I think mid-March we'll have them available. So, Yeah, Yeah. I'm pretty sure.
0: And with that, that is our time for tonight. We'd like to thank you again for listening to the AVE Geeks podcast. Thank you and see you next time.
1: Have a good one, everyone. Have a good one, people.